Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to this week's edition of the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Gavin Berry and once again I'm delighted to say I'm joined by the Daily Records and Newport and Sunday Mail Chief Football Writer Scott McDermott. It's International Week, guys. We've got Scotland against Cyprus on Saturday, kicking off the Euro 2024 qualifying campaign, followed by Spain next Tuesday. But we can start by looking back at the Motherwell game. It was a bit of a roller coaster ride. You were both at it. Um, 4 2 win in the end. There was loads happening. Started with the protest continuing from the, the the previous week. Stuart Robertson and Ross Wilson being targeted by the fans. The players walk out. Many of the fans holding up the cards from the, going by the pictures. Andy um, Michael Beale said after the game, it can be difficult for the players. Are you worried at all that it's now starting to have a bit of an impact? Will it creep into the players? Do you think? No, I don't think so because as, as much as the protests are aimed at obviously Stuart Robertson and, and Ross Wilson, the, the, the support for the team has been the usual levels. Um, you know, it was a, a fairly good atmosphere at the weekend. I, I thought it was a really good game. Uh, it would have been a good game for the neutral to watch and just in terms of how lively it was. So no, I don't think it has any impact in, in the team. You saw... Obviously, when Campbell gets his goal, when uh, Tillman gets his goal towards the end, you know, they were right in amongst it. So, no, I mean, I don't think it's protests that will be... I don't think you can lay the blame for that, those protests for the, say, the start that they made. It took them, you know, a good sort of 25 minutes to get going once they get the equaliser with the Tavernier free kick. That's when they seem to settle down a wee bit. It's still, it wasn't that. It's just like yet another example where it, the team just sort of, you know... Just a bit scrappy, a bit ragged through 45 minutes. It really takes the manager to get them in at half time and settle them down and, and get them playing again. Obviously, they get the goal within you know 65 seconds of the restart uh, to go ahead. An absolute omni shambles of a, an equaliser for, from, uh, for Motherwell. Just a goal that went everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Um, but you know, I credit to them again. You know, they, they sort of reset and went again and, and went on to. To win the game fairly comfortably, they probably should have racked up a, a bigger winning margin if um, Alfredo Morelos, when he came on, if his uh, sights had been a, a wee bit um, a wee bit sharper when he came on. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think the bigger concern for Michael Beale would just be that this team again playing in patches, not playing consistently well throughout a ninety minutes. It's it's really become the sort of you know hallmark of this team. Um, they just don't have that ability or they seldom have that ability to play a full 90 minutes at a, a, a really one pace or a really top high pace. They, they, they have lulls in games that allows teams to to come in and, and you know do some damage and, and get a look into games where they really shouldn't have, you know, with the quality that the Rangers do have. They should be winning games more comfortably more often. Scott, huge controversy surrounding VAR over the weekend, not just at the Rangers game, but, you know, 
Derek McInnes was raging in the Kilmarnock game. Jim Goodwin was raging in the United game out over to the SFA. They want to have a, a summit of this. In the Rangers game in particular, Motherwell's first goal and Rangers' third goal, both at the time looked, even watching on telly, looked like suspicion of offside. What did you think of both at the time with your own eye? Well, I was sitting right next to Andy in the main stand. I mean, I, 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 I'm not sure what Andy thinks. That being at the game, I thought Motherwell's looked more offside at the time. The mm. boy Max Johnson just seemed to have acres of space in that right-hand side. You could, could barely see him. He was so wide and, and high um, and got in behind the, the Rangers' defence. I thought Sakala less so. No, looked looked a bit tighter. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous that we're now... We're now arguing about VAR over the one kind of you know, one example in a game where there should be no there should be no debate. I mean, the offside is meant to be black and white. That was the whole point of bringing VR yeah. in. That we wouldn't need to have any of these discussions. Um, the whole thing's a shambles, Gav. I mean, honestly, I feel quite smug actually because I was totally against VAR right from the very start, and it's. I'm seeing all these people, social media and online, these guys that were championing it and desperate to get it in, no moaning every week about it. I mean, how anybody thought it was going to solve football deals and you know, stop any controversy and help refs? An absolute shambles. And you're now getting you know, guys, even Ali McCoy, you know, pundit of the year coming out the other day saying he'd be quite glad if it was just if it was just scrapped and we go back to we go back to normal and as I say I, I've said that from the very beginning I thought it was a terrible idea way back you know everything I thought would happen pretty much has happened um, I mean you mentioned a couple instances there I mean the Dundee United one the penalty St Mullen got it's just a farce the non-penalty that uh Kelly should have got for Andy Considine handball. He just blatant, clear decisions. Um, and the referee still can't get it right. Even but, even but, but, so. but, that, but that's the thing. Surely then, I mean, if surely if and everybody's in agreement with those ones that you're talking about. I mean, that's not an, that's not a, a fault with VAR, is it? I mean, surely that is just the fault of the people looking at it. How can you look at that and say that's not a penalty at the commander game or that is a penalty in the Dundee United game? I think the problem is, you know, you, I agree with you. I don't think it's the, it's the technology as fault. It's the people operating it. I mean, yeah. Anybody better than me and you? Well, who, I know. who do you get in? Well, I don't. There, there was a report, wasn't there, yesterday saying that the SFA were looking at bringing in specialists? Yeah, I thought who's, that was... a, who's a specialist? <laughs> who's a specialist in referees? I've been through five, ten year courses to be referees. I mean, listen, what I would say is that I think, I think there's a lot of referees, and listen, this might sound like a cliche and a bit kind of predictable but I think there's a lot of referees just don't know the game no I've never played the game they've obviously studied to be refs they've been involved in the game I don't care how many games they've refereed there are certain incidents you look at and you just think 
they've never actually played the game. They don't understand mm-hmm. that challenge. They don't understand that body movement. There's just there's certain things you look at. It's like that's incredible how they've yeah. made that decision. But surely that Andy Considine won the handball one in particular. I mean, how any how could anybody? I mean, you consider some of the handballs have been given. You know. But that's it. But so see VAR, see VAR. So the referee misses that, and VAR looks at it, or the the VAR ref looks at it, mean. and says it's still no pain. Well, what's the point in VAR? As well, just having as well, just have it back to the way it used to be, where aye, there's a there's an arm up in the box, and the constant handballs it, but ref doesn't see it and play on, and you can all debate about it in the pub afterwards. But instead, the controversy is even worse. Because they're actually getting a second look at it, there are more eyes on it, and they still can't kind of get it right, which which just makes the whole thing pointless. So all the ones in particular, apart then, Scott, you at the time. So when you look back at them, when you saw them on the te- the offside ones with, with Max Johnson and then Sakala, what did you think you saw them on screen? Well, the line obviously looks a wee bit skewed because of the camera angle and the the lines on the pitch. But, I mean, I was of the understanding that, that that doesn't matter. I mean, it's the technology gets those decisions right. The lines are drawn. I mean, it doesn't really matter what, what the angle of the camera is or you know, the, the shade on, on the pitch. You know, these decisions are supposed to be black and white. I understand what Stuart Kettlewell saying with the Sakala one. It actually looked as if they'd get the lines mixed up. I mean, surely that, surely that couldn't happen. Um no, in this in this day and age with that that technology, but I suppose you wouldn't put anything, anything past them. But I, I've not got a major issue. The, the offside ones, as I say, I think when they draw the lines, you no, know, you need to trust the technology in that regard to get it to get it right. They're tight calls, but I think ultimately they were probably the right ones. Yeah. Andy, another incident to come out of it, Callum Slattery of Motherwell sent off second yellow card made Rangers life easier in the latter part of the game um, his second yellow was for a, a catch he's Todd Cantwell with a flailing arm after that a bit of criticism for Todd Cantwell uh, Richard Foster on his uh, BBC Sports scene I think said it was as if he'd been hit by Tyson Fury Steve Conroy the ex-referee yesterday um, even stronger said Todd Cantwell cheated um, had a, a lot of people have ripped into Todd Cantwell uh, in the days after this. Well, un- do you think it's been over the top? Do you think yeah, did he get yeah. in too easily? Did he make too much of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I certainly didn't think it was a second booking for Cam Slattery. I did think it was a, a harsh booking. Plus, I think you know, in this day and age, all players are going to go down like that. You know, it's just unfortunate that's the type of game. But yeah, I, I think he did go down a bit easy. But I think it's a bit harsh to be labelled on a cheat. Um, you know, you know. You know, players are always going to try and look to get uh, you know, gain any advantage they can. Um, did he, you know, was he struck? Yeah, he was. You know, it was a flying arm. You know, I, I did think it was a foul. I didn't think it was a second yellow right enough. But um, you know, I don't think you can. You know, even if you're in possession of the ball, I don't think you can go swing your arm about like that. Um, but you know, I, I think it's a bit, a bit over over the top the reaction. I, mean, I do think you know, I can understand why Richard Foster's you know. Reacting the way he did, given that he's he works for Motherwell, you know he's. I think he did say in sports scene that um he's that he's had his sort of Motherwell bias on. Obviously, he's on the coaching staff there, so you you know 
got to sort of take that into account when he starts mouthing off. Uh, he's just looking to sort of voice the opinion uh, of his club. Um, but in terms of Todd Cantor, I, mean, I think he's been, you know, week by week you see his influence in this Rangers team growing. I think he's, he's really settled in quickly. Uh, obviously, obviously, that was his first goal, a big goal um, for the team at the weekend. Um, I think when he came in, I, I tend to think people maybe looked a wee bit more to, to Raskin. Uh, perhaps a wee bit more excited about what he could bring. And I, I do think Nico Raskin had a, a, a really positive start, but I think I think what you're seeing from Cantwell is some really encouraging signs of what he can offer this Rangers team. His ability to pick pass, his ability to take the ball in you know, uh, tight areas. I think there was a clip uh, doing the rounds of him uh, at Easter Road where he was sort of under pressure with two or three Hibs players and he, he sort of managed to, to sort of fight and scramble his way out of trouble and, and keep the ball and so sort of thing. Rangers haven't had enough of guys that can, um, or or the guys that you would expect to be like that, like your Glenn Clamaras, who really haven't sort of been at the level you'd expect them out of late. You know, Rangers need to get guys back in there that can that can do that operating in those kind of circumstances. So, um, I think obviously if you, you get Tillman to sort of come back into the team in a starting sense. Obviously, he came off the bench, just scored a terrific goal um, at the weekend. You know, if you can get him, if you can get Tillman, if you get Raskin back from this. Little sort of thigh injury that he's got that's kept him out of Belgium under 21s. Keep Ryan Jack fit. Um, obviously, Ryan Kent's back to his, his best you know, again. Um, didn't get a goal or an assist at the weekend, but was really influential in the sort of general build up that as uh, Rangers sort of grew to dominate the game in the second half. Um, you can get these guys all at top level. I think that's a really encouraging midfield for Rangers. I really do think that this is a you know, certainly a different dynamic to the, the to the team that just looked a bit stale and a bit, you know, running out of ideas at the, the beginning of the season. There's a, there's a freshness to this Rangers team and I think Cantwell's been a, a really big part of that. One good thing as well, Scott, I noticed, I think it was in your interview with him last week, it, it, it was a quote from him and I think you must have asked him or somebody must have asked him about Michael Beale persuading him to come up and he says, oh, persuade's not a word I would use, you know, persuade yes. is, is it, you know, and that's something you can tell. I mean, even you see his brother and all that on social media and then there was a, I don't know if you saw the family on Twitter as well, celebrating his first goal. They were away skiing somewhere and they were on the slopes, family and friends. Um, he seems to actually be loving it and that's, that. that's it. You can't, Overestimate that, can you? No, 100%. He seems to have totally bought into everything you know, about Michael Beale and everything about the club. Uh, in that interview he spoke about, you could just tell, you know, I think somebody even asked him about you know, how was he adapting to off the pitch and he said, well, I'm not really interested in off the pitch. I'm here to do a, to do a job. You know, I'm here to play for Rangers, to win trophies, mm-hmm. you know, get his career back on track, basically. I thought that was really... Encouraging, you no, know, just showing that that real focus because he obviously has gone off the radar a bit in the last the last year or so at Norwich. Um, but it looks as if he's got that wee bit between his teeth again, you no, know, that hunger to really go and do well and and make a name for himself. And you could just tell even with the celebration at the goal. I think, well, I just think he appreciated that support, you no, know, that away support. You no, know, you don't, you don't, you just don't get that level of away support. I don't think it clubs like Norwich and that's what you need to remember about all of these guys. You know, the old firm is is different. You can say what you like about the standard of, of Scottish football, but to have that backing 
know, that travelling support uh, with you every every other week, I think, is a huge pull. And listen, we all know Cantwell, he needed a, he needed a change, he needed a fresh start in his career. You know, he had to go in a different direction, he had to get away from, he had to get away from Norwich. And listen, it's early days, but it looks like a really, really good signing for Rangers and, and Michael Beal. Um, to get him in, no, relatively low low cost. No, I played, we spoke about it at the time. It wasn't that long ago. He was no, he was playing the Premier League for Norwich, forty odd games. Been talked about for big big moves for for big money. So for Rangers to get him in, as I say, I still don't think he's anywhere near his best. It's interesting, and he touched on it a wee bit there. But it's interesting that he's kind of playing a different. Probably a different position to most days expected. I, I thought he'd have played a lot higher up. You know, that kind of number 10, try to find you know, that killer pass, you know, kind of on the edge of the box. He's actually playing a lot deeper, that kind of, kind of deep line number eight, but he is making runs into the box. You know, and he, you can see that improving week by week. And I think getting his first goal, I think he needed that, to be honest. Um, getting his first goal would have done him the, the world of good. Andy, as we touched on at the start of the show here, um, International Week, obviously big games for Scotland coming up. Uh, Ryan Jack involved in the squad. Barry Ferguson in his daily record column last week was talking about Ryan Jack, uh, capped 14 times, I think. Uh, is it 14? Yeah, 14 caps for Scotland, made his debut in 2017, but obviously injury records... Um, He's got a poor injury record in terms of uh, at Rangers, hasn't he? Um, Barry Ferguson was touching on that, saying at the latter part of his career and when he was struggling with injuries, it, it was hard to juggle, you know, the international football as well. He was at club level and international level. He was only training maybe certain days. How much of a factor do you think that could be for Ryan Jack looking forward obviously still got this contract situation still up in the air do you think it is a conversation he'll be having with Michael Beale in terms of his involvement there yeah I, I kind of agree with what Barry was saying that you know Barry wasn't obviously calling from a you know hang off his international boots or anything like that but he was just saying that this is something that's going to have to be sort of factored into his decision making uh, going forward Um you know, I, th- I think we've seen in the last few weeks just what a fit Ryan Jack does to this Rangers team. I mean, he's he's, he's vital. I think when he's you know when you can get him to the levels that he's been showing. Certainly the, the night at Easter Road when he was absolutely you know I thought he was sensational that night. Uh, just sort of winning everything, dictating the game, breaking up Hibs attacks. Um, you know, and just bring that intensity uh, to, to Rangers midfield, which is again as I said earlier has been lacking this season. Um, but obviously, the, the only sort of setback to Ryan Jack since his, his time at Rangers have just been keeping him fit. Um, obviously, he missed a, a year just the season before last. Um, I was kind of surprised because, like you know, when he came back from that that layoff, if you remember the night in Dortmund again, he was he was sensational that night. Um, you know, very similar performance to what he did against against Hibs. Um, and you, I really thought. You know, obviously got a, you know was influential in the, in the road to Seville. Gets a goal in the cup final. And you're thinking if he now just gets a, that, but that's him really having come back without a preseason. If he can get a preseason under belt, then wow, he's going to he's going to kick on. It never just happened. There's a few more niggly injuries. He was he missed a, a few games here and there. So 
again, it's just been you've never quite seen Ryan Jack at his, his full potential these last couple of years. So that's why I think perhaps Barry's right that there has to be a decision made in terms of his loading. I think Michael Beale spoke recently about just how much he plays. Does he, you know, how much does he train? Um, you know, obviously they played against Hibs. I played against, I think he played against uh, Kilmarnock as well the game before that. Then they, they, they took him out. They brought Lundstrom back in for the game against uh, Wraith Rovers. So they're obviously picking and choosing when they play him. I kind of, you know, as Barry Ferguson would, would say the same as a former Scotland captain, you don't want to pass up any opportunities to to, to play for your country. Obviously, Mr. Euros, which was a, would have been a huge blow for him, obviously, at the same time as missing out on the title running in 2021. So you'll be loath to, to give up that chance, but it's just how they, how they go to handle it. How does he train when he goes away with the team? You know, can they get, find ways to get him that rest that he's obviously going to need just so you don't overload him? And he starts picking up those niggly knocks that he's had. Obviously, he had to have, um, I think it was surgery, I think he had to have at the end to sort of get overcome uh, that sort of calf back issue that he had uh, that kept him out of the Euros. So, I mean, you were think, you were, I'm sure he'd have been hoping that that was the end of his issues. It's not, it's not quite worked out that way, but I, I do think it's vital that they can find a way just not to overburden him with too much football. So that you can you can get the best out of them when when it's needed. Yeah. Scott, um, after the international break, uh, Rangers home to Dundee United, uh, and then of course the all important trip to Parkhead for the the, the first of what will be three Old Firm derbies between now and the end of the season. But just looking at the league more generally, rather than you know Rangers and whether they can close that nine point gap in Celtic. If you look at the gap just in terms of Rangers and Celtic and the rest, with Hearts losing, I mean, that was a bit of a surprise result, although they've got a terrible record up at Pataudry, but, I mean, they were hammered up there. 28 points now, the gap between Rangers and second and Hearts and third. We did a piece on the website recently asking, is this the biggest gap ever? So it's 28 points just now. In the SPL, SPFL era, uh, the biggest gap, was 34 points that was when Rangers won the league on the last day 2002-2003 when Celtic of course reached the UEFA Cup final in Seville and Rangers hammered them firm on 6-1 on the final day that was the biggest gap and again it was to Hearts when you look at it Celtic have only lost one game and Rangers have only lost one game outside of playing each other this season Rangers at St Johnston Celtic at St Mirren when you're going each week, do you sense the gaps as big as you've ever seen it? It's certainly heading that way, Gav. I mean, I was surprised, even though I look at the league table every week, I was I was surprised just when you said it was 28 points. I probably didn't realise there was such a big gap between Rangers and Hearts in second and third. Um, listen, it's not that long ago with Rangers that you felt as if they were going to drop points. Um Towards the end of Giovanni Van Bronckhorst's time, you know, you felt as if you no know, teams could actually get at them. Um, but obviously, Michael Beale's turned that around, and you have to say, I mean, his record since coming in has been has been terrific. Uh, you no, know, it's, it's matched Celtic, if you like, at the, at the top of the league. Um, I think I said in my match report the weekend that Rangers have scored forty-eight goals and. Michael Beale's 19 games in charge, which is like two and a half goals a game. So if you're averaging two and a half goals a game, 
would be very difficult for anybody else in that league to to go and to go and beat you. And obviously Celtic are in a very similar run. They've 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 had that pretty much since the start of the season. So I think you're right. I think the gap sadly is getting bigger. And you're saying the biggest gap has been 34. If it's 28 just now, you'd have to say there's a very good chance that'll be beaten um, come come May. Um, and it's disappointing because you know, I don't know what you thought, but at the start of the season, just the way Hearts were as a club, knowing how they'd progressed and you know they'd into group stage in Europe and you thought they were really going to kick on and Robbie Nielsen spoke about trying to get them to that that kind of next tier, if you like, that next level and try to get closer to the old firm. You felt it might it might happen, though they might be able to close the gap. Even Aberdeen, when you saw the investment that they put into the squad, you know, how they kind of started the season, guys like Mayovsky and Ramadani and people like that, and you thought you know, they could actually get up there as well, but it just hasn't panned out. And it's difficult to know how much of that is down to the, the poor performances of the other teams, mm-hmm. how much it's about you know, how good Rangers Celtic are. Certainly at this moment in time, it feels like Celtic Rangers have just stepped up a gear. They're just motoring now. Um, as I say, since Bills came in, Rangers have been pretty relentless and we've said that all along about Celtic. So very difficult for any of these, any of these teams now. Uh, no, even if can I put put a dent in any range of Celtic in these games, the way they're the way they're scoring, just how pro- prolific they are. So, I, th- I think Scott just with Hearts. I think they've been victim to just obviously they, they built up such a, a big lead in third at one point, but they were still a fair bit behind. Obviously, the top two, and I think they probably just got themselves into a wee bit of a comfort zone. It was a bit of a limbo, yeah. you know. They weren't going to at that point. They weren't going to be caught in it. You know, but they weren't going to catch up with, with Celtic and Rangers at the top. So Europe, Europe probably didn't help them either. And yeah. I mean, certainly not in the first half of the season because the way they, you know, obviously, you had so many injuries to contend with, and they were, you know, quite a fair bit offered, sort of going into the uh, the World Cup break. But since then, they came out of form after coming out of the World Cup break was was terrific. But at that point, when they got themselves into such a commanding lead. I think it'd be natural just, you know, the season was effectively done at that point. You know, they weren't they were, they were looking like they were on course for third, but the way that they've fallen off, you know, I think it's five defeats in the last eh, four defeats in the last five is you know, they obviously opened the door. They've been unlucky that Hibs and Aberdeen have been a wee bit resurgent as well. So, you know, it's it's, it's an exciting sort of you know, finish that race for third. You know, you didn't think you were going to have it a race for third place, but just in terms of I think what will be crucial is obviously Hearts getting into Europe and getting that, you know, I think it was at four or five million pounds that UEFA Conference League was worth to them. And that will be crucial going forward. And if you can get more teams into those European uh, group stages, obviously there's, I think we can get was it, five teams into Europe next year. So if you can get some more of them getting in and getting that level of finance, I'm not saying it's going to be able, it's going to bridge them. Uh, the golf and finance is going to allow them to take over the whole firm. But I think it'll allow them to be it'll be transformational money. You know, getting five million pounds into the, the coffers every year for clubs like Hearts and Aberdeen and, and Hibs, you know, that that's that's huge sums for them. And it can allow them to reinvest in their team and keep hold of some of the better players. We've already seen Hearts, okay, they've dropped off a wee bit, but the way that they're planning now, that they're getting guys, majority of the squad and deals for next year, longer term contracts, just allow them to plan that wee bit longer ahead rather than every year having to sort of 
rip the team up and start again. It seems to be the norm for, for a lot of Scottish teams. So I think that could be something that will be certainly, I'm not saying it's going to make the big difference, but I think it will be a long way to seeing these teams become more stable and, and more success, successful in the longer term. I mean, see if you take Rangers in isolation, Andy, and you look at the points, you know, that I think, okay, it would mean them winning every game, right, between now and the end of the season, but there is a potential they they could hit 100 points. Now, when they won the title under Stephen Gerrard, I think they had 102 points, and that that was an undefeated campaign. The last time they won the league before that, under Walter Smith, uh, 2010-11 they got 93 points so I mean they could easily reach I think the stats are showing that if they I mean, if you average out the points total that they have right now to the end of the season uh, they pick up something like 94 points which I think they've only beaten twice so I mean it, it does show you that as much as there's a lot of doom and gloom around the team right now just because of the position they find themselves in but in terms of their consistency and in terms of the gap to, to this, you know, there's no doubt Rangers and, uh, are by far better than 10 other teams in this league. It's, it's, it's you know, beating that one at the top that, that's obviously proved the issue. But, you know, I, I do think that the, the golf in class between, and I agree with Scotty, I think there's every chance that that record, um, was it 34 points, you say? Yeah. Every chance that, that could go this year because no farmer are just, they are just, you know, Knock up result after result, week after week. Yeah, but I, I was I was thinking more. You know, obviously there's a lot of grumbling just now around Ibrox, and when you know I spoke about protests at the start of it and all that. You know, is some of that unfair when you look at the points? Um, and you look at the, the, the you know what I mean that 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 the tally they could get this season could be as good as anything outside of winning the league two years ago could be as good as anything in the last twenty odd years. I get what you're saying, but. You know, Rangers have always. If you work for Rangers, you've always known that the be all and end all. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, as much you know, you could have. You know, think back to uh, the Tommy Burns era where, where Celtic were, you know, barely lost a game, but you know, yeah. obviously they still end up coming up short. And it's the same other side of the city. Doesn't yeah. matter how you perform the other games. It's as long as you get your nose in front of the the, the other team, the other end of the city. That's all that matters. It's all that's ever mattered. So. Um, you know, you know Michael Beale. If Michael Beale has carries on this run as he as he's doing right now, and you know loses only one game next year, to, and it's Celtic, and that's the one game that denies him the title, he'll be under pressure, and that's just the reality of of life in the old firm. That, that's where I would, I would. That's where I think you have to give Beale a bit of credit, Gav, and that I think when he came in. Kenny Miller said this in his column at the weekend, the first step was to start beating everybody else convincingly because I say Rangers had lost that a wee bit and they looked vulnerable. I think he's done that with flying colours now, as we spoke about earlier, they're relentless, two and a half goals a game, pretty much brushing teams aside. I think he's almost like completed part one. Part two is beating Celtic. In a, in a game or you no know, putting down a serious marker yeah. and I think he's got I've said before on here I think he's got to do that in the next Old Firm game at Celtic Park and by the way that, that might not mean getting three points Yeah, yeah. might, might only mean getting a point yeah. but they need to go there and show something uh, 
ahead of next season, ahead of even the, the Scottish Cup series, which which will come up soon after. They need to go and show something because those two old firm defeats at Celtic Park under Van Bronckhurst were so no so damaging. Uh, psychologically more than anything else you know, for the Rangers fans and obviously the, the players um, so there has to, has to be a huge upturn in performance the next time Rangers go there and Bill knows that as I say I think he's done the first part brilliantly I don't think apart from the League Cup final which was obviously massive he couldn't have done much more in terms of the league in terms of kind of swatting every other team aside but he'll know more than MD, the next step has to be doing something against against Celtic, especially at Celtic Park, because I say that's I think even going back through the years, I think if you asked Walter Smith's team or guys for that era, no winning all firm games at Ibrooks, of course, brilliant. But you get even more satisfaction, I think, if you can do it at Celtic Park and it, it sends out a message, no, a statement, whatever you want to call it. For me, that's the next hurdle that Beal's got to got to get over. It's going to be done in. It'll have to be done in the most testing of conditions as well. Obviously, with no fans there. I mean, yeah, it was hard enough to win at Parkhead when you had eight thousand fans there, but going there with absolutely zero um, really does mean you're up, your back's against the wall. So you know it won't be easy. Scott's Scott's absolutely right. But if you can get you know, I say even a draw there might just be enough just to. Put a wee bit of start putting a wee bit of doubt in Celtic's mind about these games. Because you know, as you say, for the for, for you know, for the last few while they've really had the upper hand. Um, you know, even even the game at Ibrox where Rangers were on top for you know a good forty minutes, they still managed to find a way to to get a result, and that's what you know that's what Rangers really need to go to do when they go to to Parkhead um, next month. Great. Okay. Thanks a lot as always, guys. You can enjoy your weekend off. Do you, do you have a weekend off when there's no club football? No, I'm at Ibrox on Sunday for this Legends game to see oh, if we can snap away some, some thoughts of some of the ex-players after the game. I'll be a Hamden for the big one, Gav. Right, OK. Well, we'll catch up next week, hopefully, and we can hear all about it. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers Gav. See you next week.